0: It's going to be another unedited podcast in part because it's thanksgiving week and i just don't really have time to edit it because tomorrow's thanksgiving and i don't want to be doing this on thanksgiving so this is it i appreciate the feedback from a bunch of you is mostly positive like the unedited version one of the uh listeners said that it should have been called off the cuff instead of unedited because not only was it not edited but i didn't have a an outline or a script. I was just talking, and it's probably a fair point. Uh, there's good feedback all around. And so I'll keep going with this. I could actually probably do it more often if I don't have to edit because that's what takes so much time. And maybe I just get in the habit of when things come up, expressing my thoughts, doing more short form ones. I don't know. It's a work in progress. I think one advantage I had last week was that I was on day four of a four-day fast and While you have a little bit less energy, your mind is very clear. It just seems like you can just speak clearly because you're just not inflamed with all kinds of foods and whatever reactions you're having to them. I've actually thought about, you know, fasting like for a week and then just eating like bone broth, sauerkraut, and maybe steak after a few days, and just staying on that for like a week, and then introducing different foods slowly. It would take a lot of patience. Hard to do when you have a kid and a wife so to speak um and you you know cooking as a family and going to see people socially but i could see if these houses ever get built chilling for a couple of weeks in one and just eating super clean after fasting and just seeing like okay is this uh is it cheese that's doing it is it nuts you know what what is it that feeling of sort of inflammation and i say this because um i i run you know as a, as you know a few times a week and it really like how I feel running varies so widely based on what I would assume is the state of inflammation in my body, which is probably based on what I ate or maybe there's some other things going on too, but I think it's mostly what I eat. And so like, what is it that's given me that sort of asthmatic, you know, difficulty while I'm running versus feeling really clear in my lungs and like I can run forever. And so I don't know. I just think like, there's just so much shit we do unthinkingly just shoveling shit in your mouth it's in the kitchen and you just don't really you know you're just like a mad scientist throwing all this stuff together and it's like you're not really paying attention I mean if you think about the way you know humans live for most of history I mean, maybe we ate varied diets but it wasn't just like haphazard collections of like whatever the hell is in the supermarket I mean of course I don't eat like I don't eat gluten I don't eat seed oils at home I don't eat a lot of the worst shit but just the haphazard different fruits vegetables nuts and cheese and meat and different things i have thrown together like who the hell knows and uh you know my body might be or maybe there's you know just some damage left over from you know 40 plus years of eating i mean i was always a little bit health conscious but like you know i didn't know shit when i was uh my 20s and 30s i used to play basketball in la and like you know kill myself for two hours sometimes with a hangover sweat through like four shirts get home and like just pound a you know a, a quart of fresh squeezed orange juice from Trader Joe's maybe sometimes two quarts I would just basically just pound it in like one or two sips it was so ice cold and tangy and delicious and refreshing But it's just like you know maybe 64 ounces of sugar in like five minutes and then I would eat like I'd have like a baguette and some olive oil and salt and I would just Eat like old baguette dip the uh baguette in olive oil and salt tastes good but you know I'm eating this gluten and sugar and I thought that was healthy I thought I'm eating something healthy probably could have done worse but uh but it was definitely not healthy so who knows but it'd be I have this idea of going out to the country and spending a month I don't know when I'm going to do it but maybe in six years when Sasha's off to college or the college I don't even want to think about college because how horrendous that whole institution has become and you know hopefully there'll be drastic drastic change by then Um, by the time she's going i feel bad for my friends and my brother of kids like are going like next year this year shit that they're being indoctrinated into that just the quality of the the whole place seems horrendous i mean it was a little bit woke i mean a little bit woke when i was there in 1989 to 1993 there was that campus wokester you know, who was like, I don't know if it was to get girls or like be cool, or, you know, kind of hippie smoked weed kind of guy who not that I wasn't smoking weed too, but you know, who was super woke. Um, but it was just a little different back then, you know, that that, that was the minority. That was just a particular type. Now it seems like that's the the main ethos at those places, at least one of them. So uh yeah, Thanksgiving's tomorrow. We're going to uh f- well, not really a friend's house. I met these people once, Sky at this uh event, but our some pretty good friends of ours are good friends with them. And so we got invited this year, and apparently it's like an epic feast. So I'm looking forward to that. And I actually ran today. I ran a 10K today. I usually do four miles on Wednesday, and I just was like, just do a little extra. I felt pretty good. And I was like, let's just do a little extra for the compensation for Thanksgiving. So that was, that was all right. Um, but anyway, I just, uh, just have a bunch of things, a few thoughts here and there. And just, I mean, I don't want to repeat myself so much, but I, I heard, uh, Tucker Carlson post on Twitter. I saw a did like a half an hour speech. I don't know if it was, I think it was this week. And he was talking about how nowadays it's not just like you know the government's incompetent and they're up to no good or they are greedy or corrupt and they're trying to, you know, get that Pfizer money for themselves. And and they are all of that, but He was saying like he used to think just follow the money, you know, and you'll, you'll kind of get to the root of what's going on. And then he said, but he doesn't think that is entirely sufficient to explain what we're seeing anymore. And I kind of feel the same way about this, that the things they're doing, like the trans, you know, encouraging, and in some cases without parental consent, young, you know, teenagers, or even like preteens to transition and, destroy their capacity to reproduce. And there's no upside in that. There's no benefit, he was saying. He's saying there's no, that's not like, yeah, I'm sure those gender clinics are making some money and there's an industry involved. But to push that like society wide for, you know, a relatively small industry, I mean, it's probably a billion dollars, but it's not like, you know, it's not the banks or Silicon Valley or the military industrial complex. It's small. Well, you know, what are they doing? What are they doing? Like, why would they do that? Things like that. Or he was talking about, Janet Yellen um, trying to push for more Ukraine funding for more war, even though Ukraine's got these like 50-year-old soldiers who are miserable, just waiting to be ground to death. And they basically already lost the war. Like, why are you still supporting that? I mean, maybe some of it is just trying to save face, pretending, you know, the emperor's new clothes. Like even after everyone knows the emperor has no clothes, still pretending because you went along with the lie this long. But he was saying that it's almost like it's almost like a death cult. It's almost like subverting the truth and, and what you would want to happen on purpose as a way of flouting, um, you know, flouting any sort of allegiance to what's moral, ethical, principled, good. It's a way of just subverting any kind of, um, any kind of deference to, you know, you can call it God or morality or ethics or something larger than themselves. And I always thought of it more of like as a test, like if, if you'll go along with the absurd, then you're truly loyal. And that if you draw the line where, why the fuck are we trying to transition perfectly healthy kids because they're, you know, uncomfortable in an age where most people are uncomfortable? Why are we even, why is that even on the table except in the most, 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 extreme circumstance when they're older, you know, when they're old enough to make that decision, why is that even on the table at all? Uh, and I, I thought, you know, it was like, okay, this, this is a loyalty test, right? If you'll, if you see people supporting that, then you're like, okay, these people are just loyal to the narrative. They don't care. They, there's no critical thought at all. And they're proving it beyond doubt. And there's value in that, right? Because if you see that this person is loyal to a, ridiculous narrative, it's way more powerful than a person who's loyal only to the point where, you know, even if it's like sort of ridiculous or getting ridiculous or doesn't make that much sense, that's one level of loyalty, but being loyal to something that's, you know, as Tucker Carlson said, has zero upside for society or for the person. Now that's, that's someone you can count on. You know, that's someone you can really trust to, um, to, you know, to, to, Parrot the narrative and to put in positions of power and to promote, because um, you you know they will do the bidding of the powerful, and you know beyond doubt that they will do it, even if it's you know permanently disfiguring kids. They'll do it, and that's kind of a powerful thing. So that, that I, I see a lot of uh, right wing and uh, sort of religious right wing accounts talking about demons and Satan worship and. You know, a, a lot to describe like the pedophilia and the Epstein stuff, and you know, and and I if, I used to be like that's just like so out there. Like I get I get hating the ruling class, uh, I get hating the DC class. I, I I completely am with them, but then I'm like it's all this demonic, satanic. I mean, come on, you're going too far. But like the way Tucker Carlson put it, it's sort of that, but it's in a more palatable psychological psychologically explained package that, uh, more secular people like me, I mean, I feel like I'm a religious person, just not any organized religion or, you know, whatever you want to call it. I feel like I, I believe in something. And, uh, for me, it's, it's personal, you know, your, your sense of, um, what, what it is you, you think is animating life and creation, uh, more than going to a big building where there's a guy in a, collar or a robe or whatever telling you about it to me that doesn't you know i don't really connect with that but um but you know so I, for me it's more personal you know it's uh it's like the uh i don't know if you guys ever listened to megadeth the dave mustaine uh what do you mean i don't believe in god i talk to him every day so it's kind of like that you know um i uh you know I, I feel like i have you know i feel like people have their connection with something that you know the animating force of creation the Tao, god whatever you want to call it Um, so I've always felt like that, but I, I didn't take it literally, um, per the book or per, you know, whatever prophecies there were. And I see a lot of people do, but the things they're saying to me are metaphorical, but they're not entirely wrong, right? Like if you're living, you know, you could say living in sin, or you could say you are living in a way that's just extremely out of touch with your humanity or with, um, you know what's I, I don't know if you guys can hear Oscar barking the dude is just always yapping away it's one of the one of the downsides of the breed but uh we love him but he's a real he yaks away quite a bit um but the idea that uh that you're doing something that's sort of against your better nature you know sort of uh something that's beneath you as a human being and then in in the sort of more religion religious christian framework like, you're sinning you're a sinner you're you're you're, or, or even you know, everyone is a sinner, I guess, under that framework, but, you know, you're more than that, you know, you're actually worshiping Satan. Um, I think, you know, you can sort of interchange those in a way. And the story makes more sense to me to say, these people are just deeply divorced from, you know, any sort of uh, connection to humanity. And they're, uh, in as a way of, you know, sort of reifying that and congratulating themselves for that, they uh, have to flout it more and more egregiously, and cruelly to, you know, I, I can see that. I understand it when I, you know, I actually, when I was growing up, when I was a teenager and younger, um, you know, we used to do mean things, you know, and, and we used to just be mean for the sake of being mean, you know, like, oh, cause we can do this because we don't have to be nice. Cause we don't like this person cause it's a sense of power. I understand it, you know, to be mean, to be, uh, sadistic, you know, you see it, uh, girls, especially the mean girls, you know, there's something uh, that is in us also that's like that. And you could see that quality being amplified, especially if, you know, there were sort of um, operations afoot, you know, the Epstein operation, there's Mossad, it CIA, whatever, you know, they were blackmailing politicians and people in power with underage um, sex. And they, and if you got somebody into those circles, and you, and you had sort of a hold on them and they started to become extremely cynical and extremely aligned with the powerful who would really do anything, no matter how immoral to gain an edge on someone else, you could see them going even f- farther and farther down the rabbit hole, trying to impress each other or like a gang member, you know, to join a gang, you got to kill somebody. So you you have to like prove that you're, you know, as psycho as everybody else. And it's just the culture of that. So you have to shoot in this in person and a drive by. And Then once you've done that, they're like, okay, He's in, and that mentality, and maybe this stuff is real. You know, maybe this stuff's going on. I mean, some of it's definitely the Epstein stuff is is reported fact. And so whenever I like, you know, talk to certain people about it, that, you know, the Epstein stuff, they're like, I don't know, that's too far for me. I know the COVID thing was a scam. I know January six was a scam, but that, uh, you know, that Epstein stuff, you know, I'm like, well the Epstein stuff's a fact. Yeah, yeah, I know it's a fact. But the fact that this goes deep into our government and, and powerful officials and celebrities. And this is, you know, one of the, it's a huge thing. And they're like, I don't know, you know, I don't know if that's true. you know And and they don't want to think about what really happened. I mean, we know the Clintons were involved with Epstein, you know, and we know that she was Secretary of State. I mean, that's just a reported fact. They went to his ranch. Like, this is not, this is not some crazy, it is a conspiracy theory, but it's also been proven to be true. So, you know, I just started to think about it you know that's how dark it really is and this push for censorship is facts are coming out and i don't have that much time i got sort of a hard out because i'm going to pick up sasha at her basketball but you know there was all of that and then this whole uh media matters suit so media matters is a scumbag uh you know fake media watchdog organization and it started by a guy named david brock and david brock i think he was a republican sort of Hitman, you know, one of these people who smeared uh, his opponents. But then, I think he started working for Hillary Clinton at some point, and he was one of the founders of Media Matters. I think he took some Soros money, a million bucks, to start it, and you know, they kind of go after people trying to ruin them if they run afoul of the agenda. And they tried to uh, dissuade advertisers like IBM and Apple from advertising on Twitter. And the way they did that was they basically started following these like very random uh neo-Nazi accounts and I think like responding to them and engaging with them a lot. So the algorithm, you know, juicing the algorithm to feed them that exact content. And then eventually they got like one after doing this for a long time got like were was able to generate some kind of uh ad from Apple next to one of their posts in their for you feed, I guess, something like that. And then they screenshotted it and pretended like, oh, this stuff's everywhere. Look what your uh, ads are showing up next to. And then got those companies to pull their ads. Now, this would be fraud, obviously, if they didn't organically see it. If they saw it organically and documented, that would be uh, being a media watchdog. Uh, but they instead uh, juiced the algorithm uh, as much as they could until they got the result they wanted, which was still extremely rare. No one else saw the result except them. And then they made it seem like this is commonplace that, you know, millions of users of Twitter um, are seeing this, and so Elon Musk um, made a quote thermonuclear lawsuit against them, which is good because in a lawsuit the discovery process is, you know, makes uh, both sides show sort of communications and other things they can ask for, and this is very damning if you're up to a uh, up to no good, um, like it seems like Media Matters was. So this is going on. And then a lot of people uh, started pointing out David Brock and his history. And it turns out he was, he's gay and he was dating this guy who uh, apparently is the owner of Comic Ping Pong or whatever it's called, Comic Book Ping Pong or whatever that Pizzagate pizza place is called. So this doesn't mean that that Pizzagate is true. It just means it's just a really bizarre coincidence because Elon Musk tweeted weird to it. And everyone's like, oh, now he's promoting Pizzagate. Well, I think whether or not, Even if you think Pizzagate is an absurd, ridiculous, debunked allegation, uh, it is pretty weird that the guy who started Media Matters and is smearing so many people and tried to smear Twitter for posting neo-Nazi content next to ads happened to be in a relationship for, I think, a few years at least with the owner of that pizza parlor. And then the other thing that happened recently, and fact check me on this if this is not true, was that the journalist who supposedly debunked Pizzagate as being a ridiculous that they were having like some sort of uh childhood? So I don't even know the details of Pizzagate, because I never I didn't really go down that rabbit hole. I've gone down many rabbit holes, but that was just not one. I was interested. I just thought it was just some outlandish crazy shit. Um, but the guy who supposedly debunked it um is in jail now for going to jail for 30 years, or sentenced to 30 years for uh, child pornography. So you know, I don't know. <laughs> now it seems like maybe people should revisit that. Like what, what's going on? I mean, every other conspiracy theory seems to be turning out to be true. I'll give you one that didn't, though, which I am a little annoyed at because I was ready for it. So um, you know, the, the conspiracy theory that they were going to mandate the vaccine, that you know, that COVID leaked from a lab, that the vaccines are killing people, that pretty much all of them have come true. You know, I mean, all these conspiracies are just facts now and pretty much common knowledge from anyone paying attention. But here's one that didn't come true, and I'm really bummed about it. There was a conspiracy theory that I don't even know it was a theory that on October 4th or October 11th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time there was going to be emergency broadcast alert, and there was that was true, but that that alert uh, was going to via 5G or whatever through people's phones activate nanoparticles in the uh, mRNA. So if you're taking the mRNA, you have tiny little nanoparticles apparently in you that have sealed little, um, uh, you know, sealed little uh, particles of E. coli, Marburg, which is, I think, a very deadly virus, and uh, and Ebola and other things. So that when this alert went out, it was going to electronically open up the, uh, the, those little capsules inside the mRNA that are in you, and then there was going to be a massive outbreak of this, and turn all the people that took the mRNA into zombies. Now I was ready for this because, you know, I mean, I wasn't totally ready. I, it would have affected my life, you know. I was, but as much as the next person, I was ready for sixty uh, percent of the population to turn into zombies. You know, I was looking forward to it a little bit, um, just to say, "I told you so." To the zombies, you know, when I when they came after me, I told you I shouldn't have taken it. They probably wouldn't know because they'd be zombies. I don't know if they, they, the zombification would entail them um actually you know like walking dead or whatever like coming after you but they would turn into zombies because they had been completely infected with all these things i would assume that they wouldn't last very long with all of those things so that was a, a theory that never obviously came to pass because november 22nd as i record this and that was those alerts i think the alert happened october 4th or october 11th and uh to my knowledge i mean i know a lot of zombies but they're no more or less zombified than they were Uh, prior to that emergency broadcast. So I was disappointed in that. And that may be the one that didn't come true. The thing is though, I wonder whether the more outlandish ones are sort of placed there uh, so that people dismiss everything, right? If I were running an information op, I would dismiss legitimate uh, criticisms or grievances as conspiracy theories. And then I would also seed really crazy conspiracy theories like that, that don't pan out to sort of lump everything in that box. So is that, you know, is that a real conspiracy theory or is that, you know, or is that sort of a fake one? So I don't know these days. It's very hard to tell. Um, But you know, some of the stuff, you know, Pizzagate, I I don't even know the details, what they were alleging. I know there were some emails that had some references to terms that the FBI had considered code for, um, child pornography. Um, is that real? I don't know. I just think it's very weird that this scumbag of scumbags who started um, Media Matters um, was dating a guy who owned the pizza place. That's just very <laughs> crazy. Again, it could be a coincidence. And it probably is. It probably is. You know, I haven't looked into it, but um, that's that. I was going to talk more about the crazy censorship. And uh, oh, I should just tell this one story. I went out uh, to dinner on Friday with uh, a couple, Heather and I, we're friends with and the wife works at like unicef or somewhere like that i shouldn't even say where but i'm not editing this somewhere like that might not be that somewhere and uh i don't want to get her in trouble so uh she she works somewhere and uh basically like she was doing a conference call with a bunch of people and she did it outdoors and you know it was a nice day in lisbon weather here is pretty good And people chit-chatting before the real call started were like, oh, look how nice it is. It looks like it's such a nice place You're in the background. And then they had the meeting. And then afterward, her boss called her to um, ask not to do the calls outside anymore because others who don't have, you know, that kind of beautiful blue sky behind them, pleasant weather, you know, could be, could feel bad, could make them feel bad. And this is for real. And she was very, you know, like, what the hell, you know, and she's not like, some big rebel about anything, but it's just even normal people are being shocked by the ethos of by this communist ethos of, well, if, if you even have a nice sky behind you, that's too much, you know, that, that could, that could cause somebody to be jealous or hurt their feelings. So it is really, really getting crazy. Um, I also, well, I wouldn't even get into this. I don't have enough time. I just want to finish on one thing since I got to go. Um, the uh, Chinese dissident Ai Weiwei he got his show canceled at London's Lisson Gallery for having expressed his opinion on the uh, Israel-Palestinian conflict. And this is a quote from me he says, When discussing correctness or wrong, when discussing correctness or wrongness, I must be wrong. I have always regarded free expression as a value most worth fighting for and caring about, even if it brings me various misfortunes. Incorrect opinions should be especially encouraged. He says, incorrect opinions should be especially encouraged. If free expression is limited to the same kinds of opinions, it becomes an imprisonment of expression. Freedom of speech is about different voices, voices different from ours. So I just really, I really like that. You know, if he says you should encourage incorrect opinions and he would rather be wrong. When discussing right or wrong, he'd rather be wrong. And I don't think he means I'd rather be the guy who's, uh, jumping up and down, saying the mRNA stops the f- spread and it's safe. But it means to be against the crowd, uh, to be wrong, and to encourage that. You know, you go say something wrong. Go say something incorrect if you believe it's true, not disingenuously, not because someone's paying you, not because your job will promote you for saying it, but because you believe it. And uh, I think that's really important that, you know, the, the current censorship regime wants it to be like, this is harmful misinformation, and the test isn't whether something's harmful because I think speech, the greatest harm, and and the people who, the founders of our country drafted the Constitution understood that the greatest harm was from restricting free speech, not from any particular harm that a particular type of speech would have. And so, um, so instead of the test being is this harmful, you know, this is this misinformation harmful, it should be, um, you know, is this is this what you believe? Say it. If it's what you believe and even if it's what you don't believe you should be allowed to say it uh even bullshit is protected free speech but um i think uh the way he frames it which is that uh when discussing correctness or wrong wrongness i must be wrong and uh so i was definitely the guy who was quote wrong a lot and uh and i think people should be, feel free to you know, feel comfortable in that situation to, you know, and, and, or even if it's uncomfortable, feel comfortable, even if people make it uncomfortable for you uh, in that situation. All right. That's it for this week till next time. Hope everyone has a good Thanksgiving.